It's about more than just research. It's about community, too. Right? See you in the community. What's going on this weekend? The last time we met, we talked to... Well, last time I talked to the people from downtown. What was the last movie you went to? Miguel, what's new with... Miguel, what's new in the community? Have you gotten any feedback about First of all, for the people who contact us on Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez. And today I have Chris Rhodes. Did I pronounce it right? Chris Rhodes. Rhodes. Chris, how you doing? Good. How, how's your falls going so far? It's so beautiful. It's just been lovely. Yeah? How was your drive? You drove yesterday from the Twin Cities from Minneapolis area to Rochester, Minnesota. How was your drive? It was a great drive. You see any colors already? The leaves are beautiful. The pumpkin patches, the apple orchards. Yeah. Everything was popping. Um, hey, can you share with our friends who are listening, where are you visiting here in Rochester today? Today I'm here for an exciting meeting, which is bringing together tribal health leaders and Mayo researchers from um, across Mayo Clinic disciplines to talk about um, improving the health of Native peoples. And so you work for this agency, and I got a chance, and I really enjoyed your presentation. You work for the American Indian Cancer Foundation. Can you share a little bit with our friends? What do you guys do? So the American Indian Cancer Foundation is a national nonprofit organization um, addressing the cancer burdens that are unique to American Indians and Alaska Natives. And what, what cancers would that be? Where, where do you guys see the biggest uh, disparities? Sure. Um, the um, Native people get um, largely get the same cancers that everybody gets. Mm -hmm. There's not a huge difference there um, nationally. Um, but the biggest problem where we see the inequity is in late cancer diagnosis. We have um, extremely high rates of cancer mortality in comparison to non-Hispanic white population. And so we can do better with early detection and better prevention. And for somebody who's, who we're going to be sharing here the link of the American Indian Cancer Foundation, what can people find there in your site? I saw you guys, you shared some really cool um, pictures and from the site. Can you share it with our friends? Yeah, we have some uh, beautiful, um, what we call indigenized um, educational materials for both American Indian patients and for providers that serve American Indian patients. And how, how did you get involved with the American Indian Cancer Foundation yourself? Well, I was um, working as a researcher at the University of Minnesota, and there, a board of directors had been organized to create this new organization that was being formed to deal with these high cancer inequities with cancer death rates. And I was recruited to come and be the first director, and so I've grown it from the beginning. And when we started with two grants, that was enough for three employees, and seven years, almost seven years later, I am so proud of the fact that we have a multi-million dollar budget with 25 employees in three states. Wow, where states are those? Uh, Montana and South Dakota. Okay. And um, we work with all 500 tribes across, oh, 554 tribes across the country. Wow, and what was your research background when you were at the University of Minnesota? 
So my main area of re- so I worked in the School of Public Health Division of Epidemiology, and my main research background has been in tobacco, um, the unique complexities when it comes to dealing with um, tobacco in American Indian communities. Because first of all, tobacco is our first medicine, and it's the most important thing to my health, to preserving my health, is tobacco, and that can be shocking to somebody outside of my community. Um, and we also have to recognize that. The commercial use of tobacco is, of course, the most harmful thing to my yeah, health. Yeah, you shared something like that in your presentation that how helps the public, I guess, and also the providers to understand the use of it and during the ceremonies and how can that bring a holistic um, healing? Is that yes. the yes. correct word? Yes, I guess. Yes, it is healing. It's a medicine and it's also a key part of our spirituality. And Chris, um, when you work with the with when you were doing research in the past, how do you um, do you approach? How do you approach a, a nation or a, a tribe as a researcher? What would it be your recommendation for somebody who's uh, they want to do a, a partnership or collaboration with a nation or a tribe? As a researcher, what would be your recommendations for somebody who wants to do outreach with that community? That's a really good question. So first of all, I'm an enrolled member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa, and I'm also a descendant of the Fond du Lac Band of Lake Superior Chippewa, where I was born and raised. That's in Minnesota. That um, Bad River is in Wisconsin. Oh, Wisconsin. Both on the shores of Lake Superior. Um, and then Fond du Lac is in northern Minnesota. Um, as a researcher... Um, a lot of times my role was to work with other academic researchers and build those relationships with community. So I think the first thing, if you're not from that community, is you need to um, get to know somebody <laughs> from that community and work with them as your guide and mentor, I think, is um, the first thing you want to do because um, that relationship and trust in doing that research is absolutely key and you're not going to get anywhere without that. And so. Find a friend. <laughs> and what about um, if you enter, you have one interest topic that you want to do research on, but the community, the in this case a tribe or a nation, they have other needs first. How do you manage to get your message across, even when they they want to do something else? What would you do? <laughs> Well, either find a new community <laughs> where that's, you know, work with a community where that is their need and priority. Or sometimes what I've seen be really successful is um, working, having um, researchers work with that community on their first priority need and get those needs met. And then um, really work to um, then how can you eventually bring it back? Or And then maybe by then you might realize that you don't want to look at that other one because you realize that the community does know what's best um, and what they need. And you may end up with a new research interest. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because they already have the interests of the it's true. people. Question, over this past seven, close to, you say seven years? Yes. What would have been the, the biggest success and barriers you have encountered? Mm. So I'd say our biggest success has been that people recognize the need and have stepped up to help. 
Um, that comes from, um, when I say people have, uh, that um, includes funders, it includes partners, and we've been able to recruit top quality staff. So people that could be making a lot more money elsewhere are choosing to work for this small startup nonprofit because they can make a difference. And that's been really cool, and that's been the difference in um, how we've been able to do what we've been able to do as the people. Our biggest challenge has been the funding. Um, at the same time, you know, it's um, when we're working on grants and contracts to bring in the dollars to do the work, we're constantly on that cycle of um, meeting deliverables for current funding and seeking out the next funding. And so um, that can be really challenging. We were just sharing that um, um, back at the meeting that it would be really nice to have a nice big investment come in that could support us to um, really focus on some and get some work um, done that needs to get done that doesn't always fit into a grant and contract. Chris, um, what, what kind of people do you have working with you as a staff? Oh, that's, um, um, can describe it to me yeah. because you mentioned something uh, yeah. during the presentation and that and I think you had the right population so if you want to share so well we have the best of the best first of all there we have um, a really um, strong public health staff um, being that I used to work at the school of public health I was able to recruit a number of people that uh, native people that have re achieved their master's in public health degrees so that really helps build our capacity um, a lot of times they're young, they're millennials, and that's what I refer to. We've been able to, they've been able to do things in new and exciting ways um, around social media. Um, we're very active in getting information out um, in new ways to meet um, American Indian people where they're at. Um, we've found Indian people love Facebook. Indian grandmas love Facebook. Aunties love it. And so we do a lot of our campaigns. Um, and because we're trying to reach a national audience, it makes sense um, that we are able to do that through Facebook and Twitter. Mainly. So uh, you got followers from all over the nation. We do. Great. Have you guys done any partnership with other nations from, from Canada or Mexico? Hmm. No, I don't think we've gone outside of the U.S. borders as of yet. Okay, because I know that those nations also encountered some of the same absolutely um, disparities. Absolutely. What do you see for this coming 2018? Can you believe it? 2018, so Ooh, fast. It's right around the corner. Yeah. You have any projects coming up soon that you would like to invite? You were mentioned yeah. you were going yeah. to Wisconsin pretty soon to Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee. The National Congress of American Indians is meeting this week. We try to work with tribal leaders from no matter where they're at, and you know, just recognizing that these sovereign nations can um, can and do make policy every day, just like every other government. Um, that ultimately impacts the health of the people. And a lot of times any policymaker is not necessarily putting health as a priority. And how, how research impact policy? Well, research impacts policy. With, and with you guys. Yeah, data, data. I think having the, uh, and I think um, being able to share with policymakers the data that's available. And a lot of times with our c tribal communities that 
data isn't necessarily available. So we're always constantly striving to get data to put in front of policymakers to let them know how um, we can make a difference on issues like food sovereignty, making sure that healthy food is available in tribal communities, um, making sure that commercial tobacco policies um, reflect tribal values and also protect um, that health of the next generation, making sure that there are live, um, communities where people can live, work, and play in healthy and make the easy makes the healthy choice the easy choice, right? Yeah. What What has been one of the more success outreach events that you guys? I know the key obviously is that have relationships, but what would be other good outreach uh, environment for somebody who wants to outreach the Native Americans? Mm. Or at least with the ones you're familiar with within, let's say, Minnesota area. Yeah, I think when whenever you think of different gatherings that Native people go to, a lot of times we try to just be present and um, be in places where people don't expect a health message so that we're not just kept catching what we term the worried well, right? So we go to art events or we go to community mm -hmm. festivals and then we share information. And so we're getting um, a broader section of people. Great. Uh, Chris, anything else that you have coming up soon that you want to share? Uh, or where can people follow you guys? Yeah, so American Indian Cancer is our um, how you can find us on Facebook. That's how you can search us. Um, and I want to also share that this week, so this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, right? Everything's mm -hmm. pink. Yes. <laughs> and um, for us, what we've done is developed hashtag Indigenous Pink. And so that's for all of our indigenous communities. And we hope everybody will um, get involved in what it's for from wherever you are and um, post a picture of yourself um, wearing pink um, with your hashtag. And it's about really raising awareness again that early detection makes a difference. If we get that screening, um, we can survive um, breast cancer or any other cancer where screening is available. What age group is recommended for, for that screening? Let's say 40 and, plus, 40 and up. Um, and annually. Just know that annually. And know that these um, guidelines are constantly changing. And a lot, and a lot of these uh, programs like SAGE, I know they, they uh, provide the free screenings. Yes. Yes. SAGE is a great partner of mm -hmm. ours. And we're, um, they can, I think. I know here in Rochester at the. Hawthorne Adult Literacy School with or the ESL for adults, they provide their uh, SAGE clinic, I think two times a, a week. Oh, so I'm great. sure in Minneapolis, through the U and the SAGE program has different sites. Yeah, I think statewide there are mm -hmm. different um, various um, SAGE events. And then the Shakopee Midwakatan also has a mobile mammography unit that goes great. out to um, not only tribal communities, but a, a variety of urban sites as well. And so, again, it's just that important to um, get screened, um, catch it early. Yeah, that's the key. Mm -hmm. What about prevention? What What do you – I saw also you guys had some uh, uh, preventions mm -hmm. uh, tips that you guys given in, in the slides you were showing us. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the main prevention, of course, being avoiding commercial tobacco and um, tobacco smoke. 
Um, also, obesity plays a big role, and so anything that we can do to um, think about healthy eating and active living can help us um, move in that direction and avoid cancer. Um, and um, nowadays, we have an opportunity. American Indian women experience cervical cancer at four times the rate of any other population, and that's just unacceptable. Um, the opportunity in that is the new HPV vaccine. HPV vaccine um, will prevent the next generation from having to worry about cervical cancer in many ways. So um, children ages 9 to 11, two shots, both boys and girls, and um, you're preventing a whole variety of um, cancers, cervical cancer being um, the leading, but it's a safe vaccine and it should be given in middle school age ideally and up to age 26 if you um, have if you haven't received it and you're still uh, up to age 26 you can go out and get it yourself well you guys are doing an amazing job um, at the American Indian Cancer Foundation you guys please go and check it out on their Twitter account on Facebook account we're gonna be posting here the links to both other uh, social media platforms and also their website and also we're going to have here uh, all the information so Chris anything else that you want to share before we go out and enjoy the sun it's so nice outside today I don't have anything else miigwech Miguel no thank you for agreeing to participate and for the work that you guys doing and I also want to invite everybody to follow us on Twitter where we're going to be sharing here the this podcast episode at community board podcast also go in our Facebook on the, find us there on the community board on iTunes on the community board podcast also and uh, stay tuned if you want to share something with the community please contact us and we'll make sure we'll have an open mic for you alright let's go outside thank you first of all for the people who contact us on Twitter about a certain research can you tell me more? Well, depends who you talk if you talk to the people from the board. Why did the yogurt go to the art museum? Did you see in the news? To get more culture.